0: Welcome back to the Earth on Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, with your questers Josh and Dan. I am Dan. I am Josh. And on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things retributical and rebellious as we talk about the Life Rock Rebellion. Retributical? I couldn't think of anything better than that. Wow. I know, totally. I was going to say vengeful, but that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So it... If you have any questions for us, especially about the stupid words I get to make up, uh, please feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. I know one listener out there is writing down every stupid word I say on every single podcast, and I don't envy you at all because they are half time made up and stupid. So anyway, the Life Rock Rebellion, as uh, detailed in at least one book, uh, has a nice fourth edition update that we get to get to later on in the show because they're part of the updated timeline ish.
1: Well, ish. Ish.
0: Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, this is a fun rebellion. So I, I'm amazed I made it into the secret societies of Save because this is more like overt society.
1: <laughs> well, yes and no. They are secret in the sense that they are not necessarily openly operating. The Therons sort of know who is involved with them. In the the broad scope of things, but they don't know, like, each individual member or agents and various other yes. things. They are a secret society, in a sense, but they're also not... Yeah, I mean, like, in, in the same way that the Therons know about the holders of trust and yeah. all the details of them, the various other organizations, they're not secret because the <laughs> Therons are aware of them, in a sense, But they're secret in the sense that, you know, the Life Rock Rebellion is not the Kingdom of Thrall, right? You know, they're not the government of Europa or something like that. No, not at all. No. Uh,
0: So this was kind of recent, per se, air quotes, because it was the, we're going to kick down your door, plant something here, and oh, we're surprised there's a rebellion involved after the fact.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The Life Rock Rebellion came to be as a result of... Theron actions. When the Therons landed the Triumph on top of Ihodia on the shore of Lake Ban, they landed it on top of a life rock. And there were Obsidamen, who were members of the Brotherhood of that life rock, that were not there at the time that it got landed on. And basically, they all got together and said, hey, this sucks. <laughs> uh, we're going to free our brethren from this Theron Oppression, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And revenge will be revenge will be ours because uh, you don't do that. Right. I mean, who does that? The Therons. Well, Therons do that. (laughs) And the (laughs) leader of the rebellion itself is Omasu. Yes. High circle troubadour. The well-known troubadour and merchant prince of Trevar, who prior to the landing of the triumph was not known to be a member of that brotherhood. but then decided to uh, turn a not insignificant portion of his fortune and energy to this organization that he and his fellow Obsidian brothers founded. Absolutely. So as
0: you mentioned, he is the de facto elder at the moment, you know, not under the triumph in the Life Rock uh, dead. So he is the de facto leader. Uh, one of the elders and the other one, uh, second in command per se, is Grinal, also an elementalist uh, of Cinnamon. So they're kind of in charge and they do all the moving and shaking and directing of what of how they're going to impact Thera as financially as possible, because they're yes doing stuff as far as economics and trade and, and price gouging and so forth and so on. So they're using all the capitalist tactics that they possibly can. To uh, hurt Thera as much as possible. So, other members of the Life Rock Rebellion are all A, members of the remaining members, Yodia Life Rock, who were left outside, who were outside adventuring at the time, or at least exploring at the time. So, all the other me- Obsidian members there. And also, there are some Tuscrang houses that have been enlisted as well House Vistrimen and House Certus, because they appear, uh, oppose uh, Theron. Backed House
1: Yes, and also because the Tuskrang revere Iodia as the starting point of the pilgrimage route that runs from the shore of Lake Ban there along the serpent all the way up to the cliff city of House Sirtis itself. And so it is an important cultural site not just for mm-hmm. the Obsidamen. That were there, but for the Tuscrag as well. Yeah. So they jacked that whole thing up. Way to go, Thera. Nice. Well, <laughs> in fairness, <laughs> Thera wanted to demonstrate their might. They wanted to make a statement, mm-hmm. and landing a fortress on top of a significant cultural site in the heart of Barsave yeah. absolutely makes a statement. It does.
0: It's like tweaking the nose of... uh, Never mind. (laughs) So
1: we're here and we're going to stay. Oh, you didn't expect back? How brash of you. I think they expected pushback. I don't think that's catching them by surprise at all because the point of dropping the triumph where they did was to demonstrate to their rebellious Mm -hmm. province that they were now turning their attention there. We're here to take you back. They just long-term kind of... I don't want to say necessarily that they miscalculated, but they perhaps underestimated the involvement and effort that would be turned to ousting them. Not only from the Life Rock Rebellion and Thrall and the Tuscrang, Aropagoy, but the dragons as well. Agreed. We talked about in the past how, and we're kind of going far afield here, but I feel like this is important to to place all of this in In context. We've talked about sort of the immortal elves and how Thera was in a way founded and its objectives are all driven by the immortal elves and a faction of theirs desire to control the world and blah, blah, blah. But there are only so many immortal elves and there are a lot of people involved with the Theran Empire, many of whom probably don't have any idea about the secret origins of the Empire. And so are just going and doing their colonialist, empirical mm-hmm. nonsense. They don't have necessarily the understanding what the dragons are likely to do when Thera decides yeah. to flex their muscles in Barsave again. And you've got a bunch of people looking to profit and to throw their weight around in an area that they feel is is theirs.
0: Absolutely, because Omasu was courting great dragons to help this rebellion, along with other things that could be considered, other groups that could be considered as allies, full-blown allies, but at least economic allies and partial allies, like the Vivane Resistance, other merchants and caravans, and anybody who owed Omasu a favor. He's calling in every single favor he can get to hurt the Therans. As much as possible. Kingdom of Thrall, considered you know, an ally at the same time. Carafod, uh, was being courted as an ally as well, because if they help, you know, throw off Thera, it's all good for them, too.
1: Honestly, anybody who has interest in <laughs> kicking Theron butt. Oh, yeah. Would be allied with the Life Rock Rebellion. And really, in a way, the Life Rock Rebellion, at least in the pre-Second War era acted as a go-between and partisan force and intelligence network making their information and whatever available to the various other parties that would be interested in doing that in a way that allows a certain amount of diplomatic deniability – that would not necessarily be the case if agents of Karafad, for example, were directly meeting with agents of House Vistrimen, that you can have some back-channel communications that are going on between these greater powers that is less susceptible to interception by Theron spies and agents.
0: So, Omasu was really, like I said, calling in every single favor he possibly could. He was also... Financially backing creation of new airships, new riverboats for additional goods and services to be up and down the river and through the skyways. And really, I mean, blockading as much as possible the involvement. So if if he could strangle them economically, the war is won without firing a shot. Of course, this is kind of where we get into the fourth edition update where, uh, I mean, all of this, the Life Rock Rebellion kind of started the prelude to war supplemental campaign for first edition. And yeah, I think we need to bring people up the whole 10 years as to where the Life Rock
1: Rebellion kind of is now. So I'm going to sit back and just let Josh go. (laughs) Well, yeah, the Game Master's Guide in the timeline, sort of how it came before history chapter, talks a little bit about the activities of the Life Rock Rebellion and how they were involved with ousting the Therans from the Triumph. The behemoth itself is grounded and the enchantments and elemental magics that allowed it to fly have been nullified, removed or dispelled or whatever. Um, So the the fortress itself is not going anywhere. Um, It's conceivable that it could be fully dismantled, but that is a massive undertaking. But the (sighs) see now I'm trying to remember because I didn't look this up beforehand. If I recall, I think that post-war, post the Therans being expelled from the Triumph, it has been claimed by Omasu and his brotherhood and is sort of, in a way, acting as a base for the Life Rock Rebellion, which still Mm -hmm. exists, even with the Therans having been primarily ousted from Barsave, but its role has shifted. Uh rather than being dedicated solely to the goal of ousting the Therons and freeing the trapped Obsidemen from the Iodia Life Rock, there has been a little bit of a recognition on Omasu's part that there are still greater threats to Barsave, the Denerastus being one of them. Yeah. But also the Therons themselves are Potentially interested in returning to Bar Save at some point in the future. And so is continuing to maintain the intelligence network that has been developed. Yeah. Um, in order to kind of help keep tabs on things and dispatching deniable assets in pursuit of goals that would thwart enemies of Bar Save. Yeah. I mean he- there's a little bit more information about them that's provided in the um, the Trevar mm-hmm. book. Not a lot, but, but some additional sort of um, current timeline update status yeah, of things. Yeah, because
0: the Triumph was therefore granted to Omasu, but, you know, the the Blood Elves helped as well. A uh, small contingent sent by Queen Alakia. And he's now made the Triumph into a new hub of trade for the Overland Trading Company. And so he's, you know, claimed it and redeemed it and is doing what he can to, I, I can say, slowly dismantle it, but at least help people the life rock itself underneath the triumph. Uh, so he's,
1: yeah, because one of the things that, that was done by the Therans is that they were tapping into the magical energies of the life rock itself to help enhance the enchantments and defensive protections of the fortress itself from the attack that they knew was eventually coming against.
0: There is an update in the Game Master's Guide, page 35, if you want to read about that. That's wonderfully done, and furthers along the timeline. So, I mean, the Lifehacker building is incredibly cut and dried. They weren't there until the Triumph landed. Yeah. They did what they had to do, strangled Thera, financially speaking, economically speaking, and then eventually an assault was committed against the Triumph itself, claim it and retake it, and they did and now the aftermath you know, 10 years away from now, is working. So, you know, it's still in place a little bit here. So it's kind of a quick encapsulation of the rebellion and all the members thereof.
1: Yeah, and it has the advantage of the networks that already existed of the Overland Trading Company itself in terms of merchant envoys and caravans and trade agreements that were already in place and provide excellent cover for... Agents to move about and information to move about within that already existing network. The Therans know that it's happening, but don't have the manpower necessarily to deal with all of it. Yes. They have pretty decent control over the Triumph itself in the immediate area surrounding it. But once Mm -hmm. you get outside of that sort of immediate sphere of influence... There is a lot that the Overland's network and the Life Rock Rebellion as a uh, sort of piggybacking on that can yeah. do to just move information and material to where it needs to go.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like they brought a knife to a, a card game and they just got out
1: bet because <laughs> Omasu is like, I'll just strangle your money, dude. Uh, again, I, I don't think that looking at it in hindsight... Right Again, kind of putting it into into context, if you look at things in hindsight in terms of what happened in the aftermath of the Triumph landing, Mm -hmm. it's kind of easy to armchair quarterback that and postgame it and say, oh, the Theron's made a big mistake by landing the Triumph there. I honestly don't think that it was that big a mistake. I agree. I think there is a little bit of typical Theron hubris involved there. Fair. We were kind of driven out previously. We had just recently emerged from the Scourge. We were not really ready to bring a full sort of military might Mm -hmm. to bear on this. We had other things that we were interested in, and we'll get to them eventually. Yeah. And that the landing of the Triumph was a statement that, okay, now we're going to be paying a bit more attention to you. Mm -hmm. And within the context of that, it was an understandable decision. Yes. The Triumph provided a strong base of operations for Thera to operate yeah. out of in the heart of Barsav, or, or very close to it. Previously, while they had patrols and troops and, and agents and whatnot operating, their real strong military presence was sequestered all the way in the southwest. And technically, oh, not yeah. even in Barsav, yeah. but in Vivane. Right out there. Right, a separate province. So having the triumph where it was, there is nothing quite so effective as an instant fortress, right? Imagine the capability of present-day military if you could just drop an army base somewhere out of nowhere, you know, without needing to expend a huge amount of effort to, like, get it constructed in the first place. Now, we built it elsewhere. We fly it where we need to and just drop it. So it gave them a really strong base of operations to operate out of. It made a very strong sort of psychological statement when it comes to we're going to drop Mm -hmm. it on this significant cultural site. And we did that both for the psychological Mm -hmm. impact that it will have culturally on House Vistrimen, but also have access to a significant magical power source in the Life Rock itself. There are... Very, very good reasons why they chose the site that they did. We've got this behemoth that is soon to be decommissioned. Yeah. We might as well make some use of it. I can't necessarily fault the no. effort and the, the decision that was made. And when you consider that between the landing of the Triumph, yeah, you've got the, the timeline there, right? The amount of time between the landing of the Triumph and the actual Second War is a space of years – That involved a bunch of work on the part of the Life Rock Rebellion and the Kingdom of Thrall and various other powers, the dragons and whatnot, to build the coalition and get everything in a place where they could attack the Therans and have a chance at victory.
0: Yeah, because that was 1809, the Triumph Lands of Iodia. So, yeah. Right. And then what's the,
1: the year that the The Harwood incident is fifteen twelve, so three years later. So so three you know, the the yeah, either late fifteen twelve or fifteen thirteen was when the war actually happened. Yeah. So I mean, how long were we in Afghanistan? Oh long time. <laughs> That's a space of four or five years between the initial statement and when something was actually able to be done about yes. it. It's not like the Therans landed and then bing, bang, boom, they were kicked out. That's a not insignificant period of time. It's just that long term, it seems easy to to second guess that. But, you know, you had a lot of work that needed to be done and a lot of effort and a lot of diplomacy Mm -hmm. and various other things that were going on. None of the great powers of Barsave would have been capable of driving out the Therans on their own. It required the information gathering and and operation of the Life Rock Rebellion and the Kingdom of Thrall and Carafad and House Vistrimen and House Sirtis and Trevar to a certain extent and the dragons offering their own magical knowledge and whatever. Like, there was a lot of work that had to go into it. Obviously, you know, it it fell in our protagonist's favor. And there was a cost for it. I mean, long term, you know, Thrall was lost there. Mm -hmm royal line, they were destabilized, Jairus yeah. fell to the Denerastus, um, a lot of people died, there was a lot of sort of damage that was mm-hmm. done as a result of those efforts. It does. I was just it saying. all makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I, again, I, I don't necessarily think that I agree with that as the Secret society's book indicates. Because they have all of these reports and information that they're gathering on these factions and groups that are opposing them or might be a threat or might be useful in terms of turning them against other organizations and stuff like that. And it's just a matter of ultimately Bar Save had player characters on their side. Well, yeah, there's that. That's what the turnaround was. If you if you kind of like read the descriptions of what happened, you can see the places here is where the player characters went in and did the thing that turned the tide and saved the day or whatever. Absolutely. I think there was perhaps a little bit of hubris or overestimation of their own abilities or underestimation of the capability of Barsave to come together to drive them out. Typical for Thera. Yeah, you know, typical for Thera. <laughs> And I think it also didn't help that they were not fully able to bring as much of their military might to bear as they otherwise could have, because there were other things going on in other parts of the Empire that they needed to pay attention to as well.
0: Which is my which is going to be my second point, which is that was, you know, move a they didn't follow it up with move B to really you know maintain force. But that's just, again, armchair quarterback.
1: Yeah. And again, there's there's sort of a, a question, is there any reason that they could have predicted, like, oh yeah, the dragons are acting against us and the dragons destroyed one of our vedettes or a couple of things. Is there any reason that they would have expected that the dragons would have taken those down Theron ships, found an alternate way to pilot them, and use them in some kind of Return of the Jedi Imperial shuttle move to get past the defenses <laughs> of... The triumph to land a strike team inside it to Mm -hmm. open the gates from inside. How do you predict that? You don't. You can't, ultimately. No. It is kind of a very, like, Return of the Jedi assault on the forest moon of Endor situation. Totally. Where you've got, you know, multiple pieces of a plan that all kind of need to go off the way that they need to in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And there are any number of ways that things could have gone badly for the Barsavian forces. yeah, But of course, again, because they are our protagonists, in effect, <laughs> they're going to win the day. It's just going to potentially be costly or difficult Absolutely to do so. that. So
0: I think we've had a lovely discussion about the Life Rock Rebellion. Where do where does anybody use them now in the fourth edition timeline update?
1: The Life Rock Rebellion is a group that is <laughs> tailor made for a player character or company to be affiliated with yeah. or to do jobs for. They are ostensibly a group that is dedicated to a certain amount of freedom and protection of Bar Save. They have an intelligence network that would keep them informed of threats or problems or whatever in various parts of the province and have the financial backing to pay professionals yeah. to go and take care of things for them. And Be nicely paid at that. You know, when you've got one of the wealthiest people in bar save as your financial backer, there's plenty you can do there. And so the Life Rock Rebellion is really like if your player character group is a little bit less willing to ally themselves closely with Thrall, for example, especially in the Mm -hmm. post-war situation where Thrall is a little bit shakier in terms of their positioning as a guiding light for bar save. The Life Rock Rebellion is a a little bit more independent in terms of what they're up to. They are not beholden to a particular political power. They are sort of interested in furthering the ideas of a free and independent Bar Save. I mean, in one part because it allowed them to drive the Therons out, but in second part because it also continues to allow Omasu to make scads and scads of money. Well, there's that. (laughs) so yeah the life rock rebellion can either be an occasional patron for your group Mm -hmm. they can crop up and have something that they want player characters to deal with anywhere in the province for the most part yeah or you could have them be a long-term focus around which the campaign is built rather than just the just an occasional employer Again, they're sort of relatively straightforward. They're something that is, in one sense, kind of custom built to be an organization that player characters are likely to be or would want to be associated with in some sense. They can be particularly useful if you decide you're running a game in that sort of prelude to war slash build up to the war time period where they would be a lot more involved with dedicated sort of anti-Theran activities, if you want to make that the theme of your campaign, it becomes even more effective to use them in that regard. So, yeah, unlike some of the other organizations where we've talked about where having them in your game is going to necessitate a particular focus, either thematically or geographically, the Life Rock Rebellion is so expansive in one sense that you can use them for just about anything. Fair. I like the
0: sound of all of that. Any final thoughts? Because again, this is a very quick encapsulation because this secret society hasn't been around nearly as long as some of the others and have a very focused antagonist in their own regard. And so they're not as widespread as far as their outreach their is concerned.
1: But I think, uh, yeah, anything else we forgot to add? No, I think we covered this pretty well. These are a great little organization. They're not super complex, but you could, especially, again, if you're looking at that sort of interstitial prelude up to the Second War period, potentially look into historical inspirations like the French Resistance or other sort of World War II rebellious activities against Nazi occupation and, and stuff like that. And if you are running a for lack of a better term atypical game where you might have your group that are playing Theron agents or working for Mm. for Iopos in some capacity you could even use the rebellion as a potential antagonist or adversary because obviously the Therons and the Denerastus would have interest in interfering with or putting down the rebellion in some capacity
0: totally So I think folks, if you have any questions for us, please feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail. We'd like to have those as well. Your lovely voice broadcast for everyone else to hear besides just me and Josh talking back and forth. So until next time, I think it's time for you to go add rebellion to your legend. Have a good night, everybody.